The scripture reading today is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 13, 1 through 13, <clears throat> found in your pew Bible on page 977. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which, has, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. <clears throat> this mystery is that the Gentiles are, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has, made, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith, through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart of what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. The word of God for the people of God. Well, after um, working through the first chapter of Ephesians and kind of dealing with... Uh, um, two verses at a time. Uh, this, this seems like a big swath of scripture to take, but uh, I want you to kind of catch the flow of what's going on here. Um, Paul has first talked about how in Christ we have been reconciled to God. We've, we've been redeemed and our relationship with God has been restored. And then we, we looked at last week how this relationship being restored to God means it has changed our relationship with others, that the walls of division have been broken down, that we have been made one person, that we are all united in Christ. And, and so this relationship with God now has an impact of affecting our relationship with one another. And now there's a sense of, I, I want us to get the idea of how um, this is a message that is to go beyond us. So it's not that um, we've, we've been forgiven, and we're with one another, and we stop there. But we've been entrusted with this message of reconciliation to give to all people. And as Paul is kind of looking at himself and his role in that, I, I just want us to keep that kind of in, in our mind and going to look at how it applies uh, what Paul says about himself to, to us. But first, just want to unpack some of the things here. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Um, he is in a Roman prison writing this letter. Um, he's, he's under their power and authority, and it very much is on behalf of the Gentiles. If, you've, if you read Acts, if you hear the history of what was going on, Paul has been, um, himself was persecuting the church. He was very strict Jew, and he um, was doing everything he could to keep the Jesus movement um, stopped. But then Jesus caught him, 
brought him to himself, and he was called to the specific task of proclaiming the message of Jesus and salvation to those who are not part of God's people, who are now brought in. And so this is what he was talking about last, about uh, being strangers, being brought into the commonwealth, that we who are um, you know, foreigners have been made part of the family. And so his role was to go. And so what would happen, and we, we see this in the book of Acts, he would go into a community he would begin preaching in the synagogue to his fellow Jews, and, and they would reject the message, and he would go out into the marketplace and, and to others and speak to those who were um, estranged from God, who were Gentiles. And this really angered the Jewish leadership or some of the Jewish leadership. There were, there were others who were in the church and received the message, and they wanted to get rid of him. And so they um, would often um, do things against him, and they were trying to see his end. And this was the, the accusation against him of, of teaching new things, of causing a stir, of, of leading people astray, is what brings him to the point of being in a prison. So now he is um, here, and as he's writing, he has to be thinking, those believers in Ephesus think I'm a failure, those believers in Ephesus have to be thinking that someone who is doing God's will would not be hampered and stuck here. And this message is an enemy of the state and an enemy of other people. Then, then they have to be wondering, is God really doing what he said he's going to do? And so he is a prisoner on behalf of the Gentiles. And he says, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, that, that, that word stewardship is... Um, where we get our word economy from. So kind of think home economics, which they used to teach, which just how to organize and structure and maintain a household. So it was the idea that you have been giving um, um, something, and so he is responsible for administering it and, and taking care of it. And what he's been administering is this mystery um, that has been made known to him that now he shares and he says that generations didn't know it, that it's now been revealed by the holy apostles and prophets. And when he says mystery, it's not the idea of, of something we can't figure out. It's the idea that, that God had a plan and a purpose, and he was slowly revealing it. He, he didn't come out with the fullness of it but he was gradually unfolding more and more of this plan that he would send his son Christ, that he would redeem the, his creation. And the aspect he is drawing on here is that it wasn't just for Israel, that eventually this would reach out to all the nations. And that's the aspect he hears is that, well, everybody gets a glow stick. I mean, it's, it's the idea that everybody hears this message and everyone is to be included in this. That's the mystery. Now, take note of that. That means when God was speaking to Moses and explaining how they would set up a tabernacle and how they would do sacrifices and how the priesthood was doing, God still knew Jesus was going to come. He, he wasn't setting up a plan that he says, well, let's try this. Oh, this didn't work out. Let's go with plan B. Send him a boy. I mean, this was from all creation. He was planning on redeeming all people through his son. And each step of the way, 
was a little bit more of that mystery being unfolded. Mystery is the Gentiles are fellow heirs. We are made partakers. So he is now saying um, in verse 7 of this gospel, and the mystery is that whole gospel, and the particular aspect he's focused on is how the nations are included, that he was made a servant or a minister according to God's grace. And I think he has to realize that it is only God's grace, that he who persecuted the church, he who sought to kill Christians, he who stood in the way of them, that he always recognizes that he was the least of all the saints. Yet by God's grace, he now preaches to the Gentiles. By God's grace, he was given this task, not by his own goodness, not because of his own insight and ability, uh, but God's grace. And so now he brings to light to everyone this mystery, this plan. He's revealing it to everyone. He wants everyone to see what God is up to and what God is doing so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God made be, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What in the world? <laughs> what does this mean? Well, this manifold wisdom. It's talking about the intricacy and the complexity of, of God's plan. There's a sense in which if you, if you look out on all that had happened in history, it looks just like random. It doesn't look like someone is in control. It doesn't look like someone's doing work. And yet, when you get closer and when you read these stories through an understanding of Jesus, you realize all that was taking place was part of this incredibly complex plan. It's, it's, it's a tapestry that's woven over thousands of years and continues to be put together that God is doing something that if we could just step back and see a part of it, we see that all the things that just look like they're out of control is actually intricate threads of an incredible story. I, I, this word would be what you might use of a beautiful piece of lace that's woven together and has this complicated plan that you can look at and you can see the repetitions and you can look at it and see how it's minor variations and things. Or it's like a beautiful piece of music where um, a theme is played and variations are made and things tie in together and they, they bring in echoes. All of this is what God is doing with us through you. You, as we saw last week, who are joined together, you are being joined together to make an incredibly beautiful display of God's wisdom for those authorities and rulers in the heavenly places. All right, so th this, this thing that you are is being shown to these rulers and authorities and I, I, it seems that commentators either try to make these kind of worldly powers or kind of, um, you know, or spiritual powers like angels and demons and things. And I, I think as we see this, we need to realize that it's all, all together, that um, the, the great powers in the world around us are not disconnected from spiritual realities that are guiding and leading them in opposition against God. And as we think of 
the, the idea of spiritual powers and, and reasoning beyond our sight and beyond our understanding, it, it's not as though those are separated from the outworking of our life through, through governments, through powers, through um, trends in history, through all the things that we see that are celebrated um, on the headlines um, in the news. So let me, let me show two, two things I think this is pointing to. One is, I've been at General Assembly. I haven't looked at the news this week. But if you look at the news, what do you tend to see? You see great powers. You, you see the rattling of sabers of different nations. You see the completely trivial thoughts of really wealthy and powerful people. Everybody needs to know. Uh, there, I, I saw something about Britney Spears in there, and I wonder you know, what, what incredible wisdom she has for us this day. I mean, there, we, we, we look at those because they're wealthy and powerful and popular. We, we look at those with strength and might. There's going to be things about great businesses and big decisions made. There's going to be all these things. And some of you, you know, have to fight getting consumed with what the news is showing. And yet, how much of that affects our lives? How much of our life is affected by these incredible things that happen? I mean, you know, we see a, a rocket go off. It's amazing. It's incredible to see. But does it change what we do for the, for the day? What, what impacts us really is a conversation with a friend a meal with our family, love shown, forgiveness shown, patience shown, working past difficulties with someone we love. Those are the things that have a huge impact on our life. So that as we, we you know, look on past 10 years, the, the big news stories, you know, there, there might be a few that, you know, I had to pay more for gas or maybe... It was a catastrophe that hit close to home, but for the most part, all the workings of the powers and principalities and rulers and authorities don't change the way I relate to family and friends or God. The real impact is usually through the, you know, a Sunday school teacher or a conversation in the hallway, and those are the things that I think part of what this is saying is those high and mighty, those things that think they're so incredible and so great, these angels that we would tremble before if we were to look at, the real impact is the everyday work of the gospel and grace that is shown with us in the church. The other aspect of this, and I don't take this for what it's worth. I might even step aside from the pulpits to say it, but I think there's something about this that we think of the might of angels. I mean, anytime in the Bible someone stands before an angel, they, they fall on their face and they're terrified. I think there's part of this where we think of these incredible intelligences, these, these incredible powers, these amazing things. And God's wisdom is displayed in us in part because as great and mighty and incredible and they can't say, he died for me. He went to the cross for a sinner 
and I'm nothing. I'm finite. I'm weak. And as great as any power, as any great, great authority, as great as any angel, as great as anything else in creation, you know, you, I mean, you can look and be amazed at a, the, you know, an incredible animal. You can look and be amazed at anything else and just realize none of them can say, Jesus died for me. And you can say that. You can say, though I was weak, he, he still loved me. Though I rebelled against him, he, he showed me mercy. And I, I think part of God's intricate wisdom is displayed in his kindness towards us. What is man that thou art mindful of him? A little bit below the angels. But he died for us. So, this is the mystery that is displayed, and this is the mystery that has been given to Paul, and as such also, this is what's given to us as the church. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have the gospel. We have the message to go out. And I want us to see just a few of these things that should encourage us as we, though we are not apostles, we have not been set aside for this particular task, we are still those entrusted with this gospel and we, too, have received it by God's grace. I think sometimes um, people are hesitant to step in to doing things because they don't feel qualified or worthy. I think sometimes people are hesitant to share with a friend what they have found in the community of faith and in the gospel of Jesus because they kind of think, well, these people know me, <laughs> and who am I to talk about following Jesus? And yet here is Paul. Here is, here is one who said that he was the least of the saints. So here's the thing. If the gospel is, for, uh, is of grace, it's, it's not something you have to merit and earn and get your skills and chops together and live out a perfect life before you can take a role in being a partner with that ministry of sharing that good news with others. Uh, I told Katie Dees I was going to call on her, <laughs> call her out from the pulpit. I understand she said there was no women's ministry at the church. Why isn't there a women's ministry? And I was so glad because the temptation could be, well, I've never done this before. Let me go to another church where they have one. I've never done this before. I don't know if I could do this. Um, and let me just fuss about it not being in place. And, and the temptation could be just to be a consumer and say, I'm going to go where this is offered, but instead it was um, recognized of the grace of, let me start one, <laughs> and it has been good, so thank you. And thank you for the permission to use you as an illustration of standing up and, and just saying, let's, let's do this. Um, grace is the only reason any one of us can share this message, um, perhaps especially uh, the guy in the pulpit. He is given this, but we also have a boldness and a confidence because it is grace, because it is the message that is given to us, because the mystery is that God is working this out, you have a boldness to share it with others. I think sometimes we're scared to share because of our own sense of unworthiness, our own inability, our own need of grace. But I think also sometimes we're afraid to share because 
we don't have a boldness that comes from knowing the true power of the gospel in our life. Sometimes we, we, we don't share with others about Jesus because we think they're okay without it because we don't think there's much different in us. We haven't experienced that power. We don't know the power that gives us a boldness to say, I was a sinner, and by God's grace, he has done this for me. And not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's done for me, let me tell you about the love of Christ. We should have a boldness to share who Jesus is and to unfold the mystery of the gospel with others. We have a confidence not in ourselves and not in our ability, but we have a confidence in Christ and his power. And then finally, there is the understanding that the one who is unfolding this mystery, nothing uh, is a setback. Paul lays out all this, so he says that I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. As to these Christians in Ephesus who have to be wondering, is Paul really doing what God wants if he's suffering in prison? I mean, isn't that a question we would all ask? Am I really doing what God wants? I don't seem to be blessed. I seem to be obedient and things are being restrained. We try to share the good news and it's frustrated. We we try to do something and it doesn't work out. And we have to ask, well, are we doing what God wants us to do? And what he's saying is, if God is working this mystery out, nothing is done going to keep it from happening. God, who is redeeming people, is not going to be um, set back even by the emperor of Rome. God is God, and he is doing what he wants. So even Paul in prison is fulfilling God's purposes and doing the work God wants him to do. Through, through the past few years in the life of our church, we've, we've faced some difficult decisions. We've faced some challenges. You know, our, our leaving to go to another denomination and, and other things have really... And there's a temptation, honestly, for me to at, at every point and every turn to lose heart and think, God, am I doing what you want me to do? I, I thought if I preached the gospel, everybody would, you know. And there has to be a thing that we ask. Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we seeing him at work? And when we face challenges and when we face difficulties and when we face setbacks, it, it can raise the question, is this, is this really... And he says, don't lose heart over what I'm suffering. God used that. And, and every challenge we faced, I've realized how much God has used it to grow us and mature us and use us for his purposes in, in ways that are absolutely amazing. And I think you will find that in your own life, the old challenges and sufferings you face, not that we, we want to chase them down and create them. But when you've faced suffering, it's not that God isn't working in your life. It's not that he's um, not remembered you. It's, it's not that his, his plan is somehow being overturned by um, someone else. But even in that suffering, he is working out his incredible mystery of redeeming you and displaying his wonderful mystery as people love you and you grow and mature and show a little bit more of what it is to be like Christ.
Now to him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen.